Good morning. It is Wednesday, January 6th. You are listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined right now by Blair Angulo, the host of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Blair, appreciate you joining us today. Thanks for having me, Trey. It's it's great to kind of live in the same universe and then uh, toggle on over to, to your neck of the woods. Absolutely. So the reason you're on today is we needed to do a podcast that's for the the college football fan who cares about recruiting, who loves recruiting, but just hasn't really paid as much attention to it since the early signing period ended and has been more wrapped up in you know a championship weekend and playoff selection and New Year's Six and, and the, the semifinals and the Heisman and, and all that stuff and, and the fact that Jalen Waddell is going to return perhaps Monday night against Ohio State, not to mention the coaching carousel too, Blair. All of that's been occupying my brain space. So I need you to come on and tell us what in the world's going on with the class of 2021. We had a few commitments happen after early signing day. I saw Kamara Wheaton popped off the board. We had a few guys, I believe eight announced during the all American bowl declaration day special on NBC, including a, a few five stars. And we've got a few guys left on the board as we, as we head into February 3rd's national signing day. So let's start Blair with just a commitment that might've happened while you were you know, enjoying your holidays. Uh, Kamara Wheaton on December 23rd committed to Alabama was supposed to really be an Oklahoma lean, but the five-star running back is, is yet another late get out of Texas for the Crimson Tide. And I, I think that was just an example of Alabama absolutely flexing its muscles in 2021. Yeah, th- there's no question that Alabama has all the recruiting pool in the world right now. And the way they were able to essentially come from behind in this one, because Oklahoma had been the the leader in the crystal ball, the Sooners appeared to have the edge for most of that recruitment and Kamar Wheaton chooses Alabama. And like you said, it's just, it's them flexing their muscle. They are now able to essentially hand select or hand pick whoever they want. It doesn't matter what state it is, whether that's out West or in the state of Texas, or if they go up to the Northeast or in the state of Florida, it seems like Alabama is always going to be able to select whichever recruits they want. And I think what really made the difference here is how effective Alabama has been on offense this year. It doesn't matter who's in there. You know, they're changing quarterbacks. It looks, it seems like every year they're changing running backs. It's just a factory. And Kamar Whedon, the five-star composite prospect from the state of Texas, I think looked at that offense, looked at the effectiveness of a Najee Harris and, and what they're able to do to move the ball downfield. And, and it was too much to, to turn down Oklahoma, you know, in its own, in its own right is, is obviously putting together a really good class as well. You really have to feel good about what Oklahoma has done on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and, and so this was one of the, the, the recruitments that you may have missed during the Christmas period, but it was de- definitely an impactful one. So you have your, your finger on the pulse of all things recruiting. I'm sure you remember this summer when Alabama was like in the forties and there was like some sort of what's going on with Bama. There was kind of a panic about it. I think it took them a while even to get their second commit in the class. You look now they're number one. They potentially could have a historic class seeing how things break. It's at least like going to be top five all time. It, it could be number one. Like think back though, Blair to this summer, uh, maybe you even did an episode on on a, Alabama's slow start in 2021. Did you kind of always have a feeling that things would not only get to top five levels, but uh, a race for number one shot as well? 
you know, for the most part, we were wondering if anyone was going to be able to catch Ohio State. And, you know, I, I think that slow start by Alabama was one of those things that we brushed aside because we knew that they had a lot of different things working that a lot of irons in the fire and they were trying to maneuver their way. And this pandemic centric recruiting cycle has been different for a lot of programs, especially in Alabama, which does a lot of its heavy lifting during the off season recruiting visits, right? They host junior days. They have the big summer camp. They, they have these events that make them such a big recruiting power in the recruiting world where elite prospects are rolling into Tuscaloosa essentially every weekend. And that's when they, they are able to manage a, a lot of their commitments. So that slow start, I think was a byproduct of that. We, we didn't expect them. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I don't know if we thought they'd have this type of class. We knew they were going to close strong. We just didn't know that they were going to get a Kamar Wheaton, right. Or that they were going to be mm-hmm. in the conversation for a JT Tuomalawau who has yet to commit. And I know we're going to announce, or we're going to talk to uh, about him in, in a little bit. So yeah, I, I think this, in a way blindsided us, but we knew that they were capable of it. So let's, let's move on to the all American bowl declaration day because of the pandemic, we didn't get to go on the road at all. Um, this was the first new year's. I haven't been in San Antonio Blair in, in like five years. It was actually kind of nice eating at Nana Riverwalk Mexican <laughs> you're not food. The, you're not the first. You're not the first person that's told me that. You know, I, <laughs> I, I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed San Antonio. I've been a couple times. You know, the uh, the customary Whataburger after practice. Yes. You know, the the dinner by Riverwalk. Uh, going out and, and getting some Tex-Mex food. You know, from time to time. Uh, that that chilly New Year's Eve when we're walking around and you know trying to you know kind of go and, and hang out for a little bit. Trying I, to find I, a fun bar. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think, I think we all missed it, but I don't know if we all um, were sad about it, if that yeah. makes sense. Well, you live in Los Angeles, so like, you know, good food, you understand good food and good Mexican food too. A lot of our colleagues really don't. And so they think that like the San Antonio Riverwalk $17 enchiladas are like the best thing ever. And I'm just like, no, it's not. But anyway, so, so we didn't get to go to, uh, to San Antonio this year. So they did, they didn't have a game or any practices or anything, but they did do an NBC special, uh, really great, um, with Barton Simmons uh, Saturday afternoon. And they had eight commitments, I believe, eight live commitments. And there were a few surprises. We'll start with Tristan Lee, Blair, the five-star tackle, who's going to Clemson. We just talked about Oklahoma getting spurned by Kamar Wheaton. Kind of feels like they got spurned by Tristan Lee, too. Yeah, he was one of the headliners for that Sooner Summit event, if you remember, uh, late in the summer that was led by five-star quarterback Caleb Wills, uh, Williams. Uh, LSU also had a recruit-led event that he made it down to. I think he went out to Baton Rouge a couple times. Ohio State was also in the mix. Um, but, you know, kind of speaking to Steve Wilfong, the director of recruiting for 24-7 Sports, who was dialed in on this and, and flipped that crystal ball the morning of or the night before the, uh, the announcement, is, is that... You know, I think the more Tristan Lee looked at it, the the more it made sense for him to be able to go into Clemson and make an impact right away. We saw what uh, Clemson's offensive line 
you know, kind of struggled with in that semifinal game against Ohio State. Christian Lee had already signed by then because he did come off the board during the early signing period. But I think the coaching staff and and, and Dabo Sweeney and, and, and all those guys made it known to him that he would be a, a, a monumental pickup and an impactful prospect for them to go in there and pair with a Jackson Carmen, another former five-star offensive lineman. So I, I think those relationships, um, the ability to, to build that bond through virtual means, through Zoom meetings, through video calls and Facebook, time and all that you know and and then you factor in the 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 distance proximity part of it too is is you know it was probably his closest high caliber option that he thought about and so when you're thinking about going you know far from home but you don't have a complete feel for it because of the restriction on on in-person visits and trips and all that um, I think that also played a, a role in, in Clemson being able to come from behind and 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 beat out Oklahoma for Tristan Lee yeah, the pandemic definitely could have affected that one, and and it's possible Jackson Carmen goes pro, and 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 even if if he does, and the Lee edition is even more important for Clemson. Which Chris Hummer wrote a story on it on it, Blair. Of all the recruits they've signed in the last five years, only thirty three percent of their offensive line takes are top two four seven prospects, and like every other position is at least forty forty eight percent. So that just kind of speaks to the struggles you saw in the trenches. The College Football Daily will be right back. Corey Foreman, another guy. I'm not sure if he's Blair. Did he sign uh, with USC uh, he, he during did. the early period? He, okay, he did sign. And if you missed it, USC football's recruiting, uh, I guess, Twitter account put out a very good and and very well produced video, which included a cameo by Corey Foreman. So I'm wondering how they were able to manage. Uh, getting a, a video of him if there are no in-person visits that's maybe a little investigative work that we could do but uh, it was yeah they announced him he signed and it, it's you know it, it's impressive that USC is able to land the number one prospect in the composite uh, after you know what has been a, a last couple years of of you know essentially some disappointment from that fan base and people wondering how long Clay Helton is going to be there uh, it seems like his seat has been hot to lukewarm to to fiery to volcanic uh, there's so much so much to describe it because it, he he hasn't really been able to get the job done but this is a big important step in their efforts to take back the west that's been a hashtag that they've started on twitter and it's completely based on recruiting they want to keep the top talent home they they know and they have realized that some of the top prospects in the state of california have been leaving the state of california to go play you look at a dj uangalele who who stepped in for trevor lawrence at clemson you look at bryce young the five-star quarterback who is backing up mac jones at alabama you even look at a white davis who's who's anchoring that offensive line for ohio state and, and they're losing this top top talent to the national powers and for usc to get back into that conversation for the college football playoff, they need to keep the Corey Foreman's home. And for them to do that, despite losing the Pac-12 championship game to a to an Oregon team that really lost a lot of their marquee names to the opt-out, I think it speaks to the recruiting pool that USC still has despite some of those shortcomings on the field. Can you sense any palpable buzz about the Trojans increasing uh, in your neck of the woods, Blair, compared to maybe a year ago? And you can be honest and say, no, no this is a Laker I, town. Yeah, no, I, I do feel like there is some buzz. I, I do feel like people 
realize that USC is maybe two or three marquee linemen away because they're always going to have the quarterbacks, right? They just landed two four-star quarterbacks in this class, Miller Moss and Jackson Dart, who, by the way, both of them committed while there was another four-star quarterback committed to USC. So they're always going to be able to track that. They're always going to track the, the big-time wide receivers. It seems like those guys, uh, it's just a, rot- a rotation, and, and they go and they play for three years, they produce, and then they go to the NFL. They're always going to recruit at the defensive back position. They have no problem in the skill spots. They need to get back to that tough brand of football where they're running the ball between the tackles. They're making key stops on third down. They're getting the ball back to their offense. That's the only ingredient I feel like USC is truly missing. And and so I think a Corey Foreman does send a message to a lot of prospects in in state and in Southern California that that they are trying to at least make make a change and and, and get back to where they want to to be and you know I, I know the fan base keeps keeps uttering two words and those two words are Urban Meyer and <laughs> uh, yeah I, I think that's the the ultimate want and and maybe if if there was a Christmas wish list I think that he would be at the top of a lot of USC fans' list but. Um, I do feel like there is some buzz. This this town is a Laker town, unfortunately, and and it's becoming a a, a big time Dodger town now that they've won the the World Series. Uh, there's two NFL teams, you know. There's two soccer teams. There's you know the Kings won a couple Stanley Cups uh, earlier this century. There's a lot to compete with in Los Angeles, and and until USC is able to get back into that college football playoff mix then you know it's going to be tough for them to overcome a lot of the 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 obstacles so I have to mention that five-star linebacker Terrence Lewis is going to Maryland, former Tennessee commit, might have gone to Auburn before they fired Gus Malzahn. But I, I, I'm gonna, we're going to end on our Declaration Day discussion with, I might need your help, Wyndon Huahuli, you can definitely correct me. The coolest commitment ceremony for sure because he was in Hawaii, um, which is you know, where, he, where he hails from. It reminded me of the, the Polynesian Bowl that won't be happening this year either that you always get to go to. He's going to Nebraska. That was... I saw the hats on the on the on the table and I was like, I have no idea where he's going. I see a Utah hat. That makes sense to me. Kansas State hat doesn't make too much sense to me. And then Nebraska, I think that's probably a big get for Scott Frost to expand the the footprint. We're not going to make like Cal Nebraska jokes, but that, that seems like it was a substantial one. He has never been to Lincoln, Nebraska. Oh no. And this is going to be very interesting the first time he steps off that plane. And there are no direct flights, obviously, from Honolulu. So there's going to be some, there's going to be a time where he's going to have to get off a plane, get on another one, and wonder, hey, am I really doing this? Uh, but Winden Ho Huli, th- this is another one of those instances where the pandemic really made an impact. And for Nebraska, it was a good impact because they were able to build that relationship with him, get get a lot of one-on-one time that maybe he they would have never been able to get with a player of, of his caliber. He's the number one prospect in the state of Hawaii in this class. And he's a guy that I like to compare to Nick Herbig, who had a, a really impactful freshman season at Wisconsin. So those two used to play together at St. Louis High School, the same high school that produced Tua Tango Vailoa and Marcus Mariota and, and a few others in the state of Hawaii. They played together a couple years ago, and he 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 has gotten a really good sense of what it's like to move from Hawaii to the Midwest to play in the Big Ten, and I think that really appealed to him. You know, speaking to him, he said Scott Frost has a a good understanding of what he wants him to do in that defense. He wants them to play kind 
kind of a rover role, a pass rush role, and and do a little bit of everything. And I think that really appealed to him. He was only ever able to visit with a Washington, and those were that was one of the hats on the table. So the other three schools, he never even got a chance to visit. Um, but those Zoom meetings, those virtual calls, played a huge role because Nebraska. We don't know if this would have played out the way it, it did had a, the the circumstances been you know equal and everything had been what it usually is. Um, but I think they connected well with him and they sold him on that program. And yeah, we'll see what we'll see. We'll see what he thinks. I'm going to text him. I think the day he moves in uh, and, and this, this next, this next summer and get a feel for what he thinks of, of Lincoln, Nebraska. It's going to be his first time there. And he's going to be moving into his dorm. Yeah. Well, I just looked, I'm glad he's not an early enrollee. Like he'll, he'll get to go to Lincoln in, in June and not January. So. Yeah, and and well, that the big part of that was he was planning to play his senior season, uh, which was on schedule to begin later this month. Uh, but the announcement has been made by the Hawaii uh, Athletics Association at the high school division that that all winter and fall sports have been canceled. So he will not be able to play his senior season. And so, unfortunately, Windenhoehuli will arrive at Nebraska in the summer. Uh, you know, basically having not played competitive football for a year. So that's going to be another big adjustment for him. So there are three top 50 recruits left uncommitted in the 24 seven sports composite signing days in less than a month. I'm actually going to count up. We're just going to skim through the first two Blair and then spend more time on the final one. Ray John Davis from, from modern day decommitted from LSU looks like he's going to go to USC. Uh, so that's, you know, huge for the Trojans to take back the West number 40 overall LJ Johnson running back from Texas, Looks like a dead sprint between Texas and Texas A&M. Texas, the higher Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, I'll tell you this right now, Blair. If he keeps running backs coach Stan Drayton, I like the Longhorns for LJ Johnson. You, okay. We came for your scoop, but I could, I could give it a little every now and again. I, I have a little info. And then JTT, JT2 Molo Al, uh, Washington uh, native, uh, defensive end, 92% Ohio State on the crystal ball. Blair, if he, if he went to Alabama, that would give them the best class ever. Do you think the crystal ball is right as it stands right now? I think it's barely right. But this is so close to call that the confidence level remains very, very low for JT Tumaloao. And, you know, we're approaching the, the signing day, which is next month. The first Wednesday of February is the traditional signing day. And it doesn't sound like he's going to be coming off the board at, at that time either. This could drag out into March, into April. We, we don't know when this is going to happen. And, you know, I, I think about all the drama that we're missing from the in-home visits and the official visits and, you know, coaches waiting outside the home, waiting for Alabama to finish their meeting so that they go in there and, and sell their pitch. I, th this is the recruitment that we wish we had during normal circumstances and we're missing it, unfortunately. But JT Tuumaloao um, ha has never been to Ohio State. You know, he's only gotten a, a feel for, um, you know, the campus and the, the team and all that based on what he's heard from from guys like G. Scott Jr., who who was in that class uh, previously. You know, the conversations that he's had with the coaches. Um, I think that's the only thing that has prevented him from committing now. He wants to get out there and, and take a closer look on his own. And it's going to be interesting because I know Alabama has been a, a school that's been lingering in his recruitment. And the longer you keep Alabama in the mix and the longer you keep the Crimson Tide involved, 
there's always a reason to believe that Nick Saban and that staff can get the job done. I know Washington fans hope that he stays close to home and he follows in the footsteps of a Savelle Smalls, the, the other four, a former five-star linebacker that's from, from nearby. Um, but this, this does seem like it's shaping up to be a battle between the two schools that will be competing for the hardware this coming week. And Blair, you were telling me he's going to be on the 24-7 Sports Recruiting Podcast this oh, week, yes. right? Oh, yes. Yes. Bringing down his final five. Yeah. Well, this is, our, this is our plug here. He will be doing a live interview with us on Thursday's show of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Brandon Huffman, the national recruiting editor for 24-7 Sports, is actually going to be catching up with JT Tumalawau to break down all his, his top schools, to go in-depth on uh, some of those finalists, and potentially get a prediction from JT about who he thinks will win Monday Night Showdown, so you're, you're not going to want to miss it. That was awesome, Blair. Great plug. That's, that was so clean. We're going to be able to use that on Twitter and on uh, social media. So I appreciate all of this info. I learned a lot. I hope everyone else out there did too. Follow Blair at Bangulo on twitter.com. Um, I'm, I'm Trey Scott. Our producer is Lance Glenn. Make sure you're listening to Blair, Brandon Huffman, and JT on Thursday's episode of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. We will talk to you next time here on the College Football Daily.